language and words and the art of formulating our thoughts in the forms of written or verbal expression is a really cool thing. I love writing. I love speaking. But as teachers, we understand that the gift and the art of communication is something that works in all classrooms and is something that is essential in all classrooms. And that's why I have invited my friend Beth Skelton to this episode. It's a two quick tips episode where we dive in to her practical, engaging tips that are perfect for any teacher and any content because we're focusing on the foundation to all learning, which is language. I think that you are going to be fascinated by the power of this episode. She is brilliant. I'm proud to call Beth a friend of mine, and I think you are going to really enjoy this episode. Before we jump in, I want to give a quick reminder to all you amazing This Teacher Life listeners. If you haven't yet left a written review on the podcast platform that you are listening on, go ahead and do that. Your written reviews, your feedback, your input helps other teachers find this podcast so we can share the This Teacher Life love. Speaking of love, Beth is about to pour into you. And I know that you are going to find so much love in the language development that she talks about. Again, if you're like, I don't teach ELA, I don't teach reading, Mm, stick around. You are in for a treat. Let's go. There is awesome in every single school day. the big question. How can teachers like us who love our job, love our students, and love being a part of education celebrate awesome even more in our classrooms and learning communities? Where can we find teaching tips and tricks? Where can we find engaging stories and motivational strategies? That is the question and this weekly podcast is your answer. So welcome to all my teacher friends. My name is Monica Genta, and I am so excited that you are here listening to this podcast, This Teacher Life. Beth is an incredible educational consultant who focuses on language development, and we haven't had anybody on the vlog who uh, has that area of expertise. So here she is hanging out with us today. Hey, thank you so much, Monica, for asking me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be part of it. And like, like you said, um, it's been my pleasure to work with you and with Jack and doing the summer conference series. And so um, I just I learn every time I go and, and your energy is infectious. So it's really thank fun you. to be part of this with you today. You are always one of those people who I want to like eat dinner next to because you're so easy to talk to. And I think I think that's part of the reason why you're so amazing at what you do. And so you're here to share two tips on basically how we can teach language through content. So why don't you go ahead and give us your first tip? 
Well, that's exactly what I'm focused on because I know your audience is everything from elementary to middle to high school teachers. They teach all kinds of um, content areas. Right. So I was thinking about what is really applicable to everybody. And so one of the tips actually comes from the Center for Applied Linguistics. And it's one that stuck with me because it's so easy. So let's think about the traditional classroom and, oh, we'll take like a high school ninth grade class, right? Okay. And you're, you're starting, uh, let's say the first chapter in a social studies text and it's chapter seven. Okay. So it's Monday. We're going to start chapter seven in the traditional and think traditional, not old, but okay. traditional teacher's <laughs> classroom. It's true. What, what do we do on day one of chapter seven? What's that? Uh, we probably read the chapter in the textbook. Yeah, you yeah. probably do. And I bet there's a point. worksheet for it too. Well, that comes next, yes. right? You do, the, you do the worksheet or maybe you fill out the graphic organizer or something while you're reading the chapter, uh -huh. right? And then after, at the end of that chapter, because we know how all textbooks are organized, what comes at the end of that chapter? What's the first thing that we have to do at the end of that chapter? Like check for understandings, review questions, yes. Mm -hmm. You got it. So then we answer questions. So first we read, then we answer questions. And then depending on the classroom and the professor or the teacher, you, you might discuss it. You might right. have some kind of class discussion. It might be like a Socratic seminar or um, some kind of structured discussion. Mm -hmm. And then if there's time on Friday for that unit in social studies, what might you get to do about that chapter on something on World War II? What might you do in social studies? Maybe something engaging, maybe an activity, maybe like that, that hands-on, the thing that kids are really excited about anyways. Exactly. You might watch the film. You yeah. might do it, um, some kind of application. Uh, maybe you even do a simulation. You, yeah. you act something out. Sure. So that's the traditional, very, very, and I, I put it in quotes because I know, Monica, you're way younger than me, but even in your classrooms, my guess is you had that rhythm. Oh, even, sure. You know, a few years ago, my daughter is only 20. She went through high school just a few years ago. She had that same rhythm. So I know it still exists. Yeah. And, and it's kind of one of my passions to break that trend. And so this tip is called teach the text backwards. Mm -hmm. So I'm not asking teachers really to do anything unusual. Mm -hmm. I'm just asking them to flip the order. Yeah. So in your science class, instead of doing the experiment after the reading, you do the experiment first. Mm -hmm. Then you have all that rich context to talk about it, to discuss it, to have actually answering questions during the discussion. And if you've done a really good experiment and, and discussion around it, the kids could probably answer all the questions or yeah. the majority of the questions that are already in the text so that when they read the text, it becomes review and support. Mm -hmm. And and so that teach the text backwards is just a mental flip. Yep. Instead of the traditional way, you start with the engaging activity. You start with the video clip, not the whole video, not the hour and a half, but like yeah. the clips. That it's like a, it's a teaser. It's like this, yes. like, oh, now I'm excited to learn more. And I have enough comprehension to understand what's coming. Yeah. And then the discussion builds the oral language. So now I'm going to add this like language approach to it. The discussion builds the language that I need. You have your word wall, your word bank, your mm -hmm. sentence frame so that I can actually talk about what we just experienced in the video or in the experiment or in the um, simulation. Yeah. Then we Makes go sense. to questions and the kids are like, wow, I can answer these questions and I haven't even read the text. It's like they, they actually are answering for what they know, yeah. not just because they did the hunt and find mm -hmm. in the text. 
Yeah. Because where's the yellow word? The yellow word, the I, yellow word there. Yeah, exactly. Bingo. By the time kids get to fifth grade, sixth grade, you know, these middle years, they understand that the first question at the back of that chapter is in the first paragraph. Yeah. And that the second, and it's just this hunt and find. And, and the questions don't tell us anything about their comprehension. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is absolutely essential for English language learners is comprehension, comprehension, comprehension. Mm -hmm. So this teach the text backwards, make sure that that's our first focus. Yeah. I love it. It transformed kids from, from like playing school because they, they know the system to actually like doing learning, which is totally different. I love it. But so yeah. curriculum. Just exactly. And not, not that you're sending home a video, but like you could do it in class. So you have that rich discussion either yeah. way you could flip it, but I like having the experiment in class. I like having a simulation in class. I like having mm -hmm. the hands-on, the manipulative, the inquiry-based learning. I like that in the classroom rather than at home because there's more guidance available in the ongoing questioning. But other than that, yeah, it is a flip. Cool, cool. And <laughs> yeah. that kind of goes into kind of um, like the backwards plan for language development. How does that all tie in? Well, that's actually my second tip. Yeah. And so it's, it's great that you went right there. This one, I'm going to do it just on a very uh, focused lesson level. Okay. So I know you've been a middle school science teacher. You're, you're doing that. Let, let's give me a, a content of an upcoming lesson, for example, like, like a one-day lesson. What okay. might be content for that? Uh, well, my personal favorite, I, I teach life science mostly, but I think that's something that's applicable to not just science teachers, but really all thinkers is how we problem solve. So like the methodology of scientific problem solving, I love it. Sometimes people refer to it as the scientific method, but basically how we as scientists dive in to tackle a problem. Super. So you're going to have your whole lesson focused on that. And the kids might actually solve some kind of problem and they're going to go through the steps and then they'll come up with the steps and they're going to do kind of like a teach the text backwards around it before they ever read about the formalized hypothesis and yeah. gather your materials. Right. Before they read about it, they've experienced, they've done it, but they've done teach the text backwards. Now to put the language lens on that, I usually ask teachers to start with, okay, let's say we're coming near the end of the lesson and you're going to either have your kids do a turn and talk and like do a capstone of what they learned that day with a partner turn and talk, or it's an exit ticket just for you as a teacher to yeah. say that they capture the learning and you're going to have them write an exit ticket. Could you give me like, what would the prompt be for that lesson that you just described on okay. the problem solving. Yeah. So it might sound something like list the major steps to scientific problem solving. Okay. List the major steps to scientific problem solving. Now I'm going to put you on the spot, but I do this okay. with all the teachers I okay. work with too. List the major steps to scientific problem solving and tell me the grade level that this might be. Um, this, this is probably something that kids start learning about in upper elementary, but honestly, it's something I'll have a group of sophomores next year and it will be something that we even review as sophomores. So, um, I guess my response, if you're going to quiz me, I'll probably give like a traditional seventh grade student response. Okay, let's go with seventh grade. And that's a nice in the middle because of in the middle of elementary and, yeah. and high and, and middle school is your gig. And yeah. so what I tend to ask teachers to do when they're thinking about the language lens on this is we start with that prompt and then huh. I ask them, 
I would like you to give me the ideal response. Like this is this star student where they use all the right language. The vocabulary is incredible. They don't do ums and yas and all of that. The likes are gone. It is the beautiful response or it's the beautiful written response. Okay. I'm actually going to script while you kind of give me what Whoa, you okay. love to hear. Okay. And then I'll show you how I analyze the language for it. All okay. right. So you, you go ahead. All right. So... Um, the traditional first step might be to actually figure out what is the problem that we're solving. So what is the problem? That would need to be um, asked in the form of a W question. A who, a what, a where, a when, a why, or a how. And that should end in a question mark because we as scientists are asking a question. Um, then we would want to make sure that we gather sufficient information. Maybe we are doing research. Maybe we are collecting um, preliminary data. Maybe we are conducting interviews. We're basically absorbing as much information as we can about our problem. Um, then we develop our hypothesis. Um, we want to make sure that we are creating a prediction statement based off of the problem so it might sound something like if we do this then this will happen because that's traditionally how a good hypothesis is written uh then everyone's favorite part is we are going to conduct an experiment some sort of activity where we take our preliminary information and we take our hypothesis and we prove is that right or wrong um, usually in a systematic step-by-step -step kind of way. I refer to it as almost like we are a scientist creating a recipe card that could be replicated. Then we've done that. Am I going too fast for you, Beth? You got it. You got okay. it. Okay. Go ahead and wrap it up and then oh. I'll show you how I analyze the language. Okay. So then we are, um, we're going to analyze the data in order to form our conclusion. And in our conclusion, we must either accept or reject our original hypothesis. Boom. Awesome. Boom. And so that where you say, this is what I would love to hear. I actually have teachers do exactly what you just did and write it out. And if you do it as a team, so if you've got your seventh grade team, you're going to negotiate like, well, really, you say it that way? Is that how you form your hypothesis? Because tell me again, I, I miss the hypothesis sounds like if we do this then this will happen because so it's that if then that almost like cause and effect but then also explaining the why because, because. yeah so your whole team would have to be on board that we want it if you know underscore yep. like we're going to set up a sentence frame for that yeah so the other things that i heard you do in this is the first step is to mm -hmm. and then you had this kind of figure out um, so the, the framing of how do I want them to list, you did a lot of the first step is then, 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 then mm -hmm. you didn't do a lot of first, next, finally, yeah. but you might, as a team decide, actually, I want kids to use different transition markers. And so yeah. as a team, you go, Hey, let's make sure we've got our transition markers up there so that the kids know that they're different levels of steps. Um, some other really interesting things that came up when you were talking as far as language words like conduct 
an experiment. Mm -hmm. So uh, when you teach the word experiment, of course, the kids are hearing that they're going to get the word experiment. But for language learners, they might not know the verb that goes with conduct an experiment. Mm, So you're going to get words like do an experiment. It's not wrong. It's just not sounding like a scientist. Mm -hmm. And so our whole job is to help bump them into sounding like a scientist. So when I have my word wall or word bank or whatever, I'm going to put the phrase conduct an experiment Mm -hmm. because those two go together. Another one that you said that again goes together is analyze the data. So the kids, again, they may know the word data because they see it on the paper. That's one of the bolded words in the text. You're talking about data. They see data charts, but they don't know the word that goes with it. Like, what do I do with data? Mm -hmm. And they'll say, we look at data. We have data. We read data. But the word is analyzed. So again, we're teaching the verbs that go with the nouns. Uh We're teaching um, structures that how do we list things? Do we list them in some kind of sequential order? And what are those transition phrases that need to go together? Um, I love another it. great phrase was conclusion. You said we form a conclusion. Uh-huh. Again, English language learners without that word form a conclusion might say we do a conclusion. Yeah. We make a conclusion. We make a conclusion. We take a conclusion. What, what goes with it? So we're going to teach it form a conclusion. So when you backwards plan for language, it becomes way more than just vocabulary. Mm-hmm. It starts to become like the sentence structures, the sentence frames that we might have to focus on. And all it takes is for that science teacher to think, what's the language I want to hear or read at the end? I better make sure I'm putting some of those things on the board. Yeah. And then when the kids turn and talk at the end or when they write their exit ticket, you say, make sure you're including this in your um, discussion or your writing. Beth's scripting activity is so very awesome. I love the way that she just breaks things down. And if you've ever heard her present or if you've ever had the opportunity to spend time with Beth, just the way that her brain works is mind-blowing. And actually, during the episode, as we were going through that first activity and that that concept of like a backwards curriculum, I thought, man, during COVID and the way that we've had to like restructure education and restructure the way that we format lessons, how great is that concept of not necessarily diving into the textbook first, but but creating something mind-blowing to get their attention and I just, I'm so, I'm so glad that she delivered um, on just the concept of, of the way that we can change the way that we think about language and the way that our brain works with that. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If this is your first time listening to this teacher life, feel free to binge listen to other episodes that are in the library. You can find things from student motivation, student engagement, building relationships, teacher retention, teacher sanity. There is something for every single one of you in the library. Make sure that you're connecting with Beth. She is super active over on Twitter, and I promise she is worth a follow. Thank you for being a part of this teacher life. Hit that subscribe button if you want to follow along on these episodes that get delivered to you every single week. Most importantly, thank you for living this teacher life.